In essence, this whole company could be run by our CTO alone. So if we really wanted to be profitable, he could just like do this as a one-man show and, and make a lot of money. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, a podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today, I'm joined by David Crawford Wind, who is the co-founder and CEO of Edgeflow, an education platform started in 2015 as PeerGrade, which is a peer-to-peer feedback tool. David is unlike any indie hacker I've spoken to, as he's got a PhD in machine learning, and he first went down the venture capital route. From then, he slowed down the growth of the business and now runs a sustainable, slow-growth 12-person tech business. In this episode, we talk about why he resonates with indie hackers, how he grew peer grade and sold to universities, then eventually why he decided to pivot his current project. Oh, and what's it like running a small tech company with a PhD? Before we get into this chat with David, let me tell you about what happened this weekend. On Saturday, I packed my bags and I got the train into London to co-work with my indie hacker friends in London at Ramen Club. I had an awesome time catching up with my friends and got a ton of stuff done. Now, despite having loads of freedom to work whenever I want, whenever I want, I do sometimes miss that sense of community I got from being part of a company and being in an office. But that gap is filled by the Ramen Club community, which has been a longtime sponsor and supporter of Indie Bites. So if you sometimes miss that community spirit and being part of something, join us at Ramen Club, the community for you to get to Ramen Profitable and beyond. It is paid, but you get a ton of benefits, such as an in-house fractional CFO, discounts on popular SaaS software, an active but not too busy Slack group, and weekly online co-working. Head to ramenclub.so and use code INDIEBITES to save some money. Anyway, let's get into this conversation with David. If you want the full 40-minute conversation, it's available on the Indie Feast membership, where there's a link in the show notes. David, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. Now, you're different to anyone else I've spoken to. You've got a PhD and you're a founder. So let's talk about the conception of PeerGrade, the company that started it all off for you back in 2015. So as you mentioned, I was doing a PhD in machine learning. And during my studies, I really liked being a teaching assistant. So as soon as I started my PhD, I wanted to teach again. I begged for permission to make my own course. I wanted to teach practical data science. So I called it computational tools for big data, I think. And then unfortunately, people really loved that title. So I was expecting like 15, 30 students, but I got 150 people enrolled (laughs) because they go and search for big data in the course base, apparently. So I had this massive amount of students suddenly. I had a few months to get the course ready and there was just no way to grade all these people every week. So I thought, okay, I'm a technical person. I could build a solution for this, right? I'll build a peer review system where they can grade each other. So I sat down, I started coding on this thing. I called it peer grade. And the idea was that students would submit their weekly assignments and then they would grade each other. And I would save a lot of time and they would learn a lot by giving each other feedback. And then it turned into a business because my supervisor is kind of an entrepreneurial guy. He found out about this and he was like, this is a great idea, David. We're gonna sell this to the department. And I said, I don't know what you mean. Like I, I built this during work. I, it's just for me. I have another thing I'm doing right now, like a PhD, for example. But he was very stubborn. So he dragged me by the hand up to the department head and then said, David is here to sell you something. I pitched what it was. He asked what it cost. I said $1,000, <laughs> I guess, per course. And that's a good deal, right? So he took it. And now I'd sold two licenses for $2,000. I had a course to run and a product to build. And I had to make a company to send that invoice. So that's how PeerGrade came to be a company originally. So uh, well, why did you do a PhD? I don't think I've ever spoken to like a founder that has one. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I, uh, I'm i not stupid, right? I'm one of those PhD students that's not the best at researching, but I'm good at like starting projects and getting involved in things. So it's pretty easy to get a PhD at that point. After I finished my, my master's degree, I wanted to work in consulting. So I went and interviewed with uh, McKinsey and BCG. Mm. But after all the interviews, both of them rejected me. They said that I wasn't good enough at math, which was surprising <laughs> given that I was <laughs> doing a PhD in math. And then that they didn't really believe that I wanted to be there, which I think was a, a more legitimate reason. So I had the PhD as a backup, and then I went in and, and did the PhD instead as like, I don't know what else to do. My mom will be proud. Let's do a PhD. So you had these first couple of customers. You've mainly built this product for yourself. How did you get the rest of them? And did you have any sort of pains with the product initially with it not being good enough for these first few customers? Yeah, the product was pretty terrible, right? So we, we built it week by week. Luckily, we had 150 angry users that came to us every week and complained about all the problems. But they were forced to use it, right? So we got so much feedback during those first uh, months of using the product. I was a customer. Uh, my supervisor was a customer. And then this was at a university with like 20 departments. So I could go to all the other offices in my department. I could go to all the other departments and say, hey, I have a tool that will make your students smarter and you don't have to grade. So I just went door to door basically at my own university. And then I started going to other university departments around the country and so on. What were some of the growing pains you had while you were doing this? Because like looking back on it seven years ago, thinking, oh, well, it just you just repeated the same process, right? Did you have any problems there? Yeah, I, in, overall, it was kind of easy, but it was also very slow. So and some of these deals took years to materialize, right? So like it was just too slow for me long term, but it was not complicated. It was just slow. Yeah, it's slow. Fair enough. So what did you do to try and speed up that growth? Well, so we raised some money about a year after we started from some angel investors in Denmark because we wanted to see... We're, we're trying to build a startup, right? And that's what you're supposed to do if you do a startup, I guess. So... We raised some money. We hired a few people to help build it and, and sell it. That was too early, honestly, to hire salespeople, but, but we didn't know that. And then we went freemium. And then we just allowed individual professors and teachers to use it in their courses. But then we would sell like institutional licenses with extra features to the universities. And that accelerated user growth a lot, of course, but it also further slowed down revenue growth, I think. So... I would still have done it, but but it did definitely like slow us down in terms of getting profitable. Mm -hmm. And at this point, what was your goal with Peer Grade? Did you want to turn it into a big multi-million pound startup? Yeah, back then we were like riding the startup wave and trying to be entrepreneurs, right? And we wanted to build a big company we could sell or go public or whatever you dream about. And how was doing all of this alongside the PhD? Yeah, I did a lot of like complicated things, right? So I went on leave for a year first, and then I went down to like half time on my PhD. And then I got an agreement with the university to let me work part time during my part time or whatever on the product and the startup. So I could finish my PhD, which I did. Mom was happy. And then it had kind of a little bit of an unfair advantage because when I sent cold sales emails back then i didn't write the ceo of it of peer grade right i would write phd student at the dtu so yeah people really responded well to me being a phd student and not a salesperson that's that's interesting i wonder how indies can take that for their own sales instead of putting it as founder ceo what other unfair advantage can they use 
when they're reaching you, out to people. You don't have to be an official PhD student, I think. I think one of the wor- things that worked for us was to lead with a knowledge, right? So we didn't, mm. I didn't go and sell software because that was, you can't go into a university as a software salesperson. I went in to present novel research and pedagogical insights about peer feedback. And then I did a 45 minute lunch presentation about peer feedback. And at the end of that, they were totally convinced that peer feedback was the thing. Now they just needed some software, which luckily I had with me, right? So this is actually very similar to what Arvid Karl wrote about in his book, The Embedded Entrepreneur, which is this notion that you as an entrepreneur embed yourself in a community, you become part of a community in the niche that you have a product for, and you don't just sell it as a product you start to engage in the community. And that's exactly what you did as a PhD student at the university. You weren't solely out there to sell your product. You wanted to be part of the community teaching this stuff. So you raised a bit of money. You're growing the business. You're hiring people. So fill in the gap for me between YC in 2017 with peer grade and pivoting to Eduflow. I've got a bit of a gap here that I don't really know what happened. I'm not even sure I know what happened, right? So it's kind of complicated. <laughs> we 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 exit YC in end of 17 with, with peer grade. We know what we're doing. We have customers. Now we just need to grow. And it was just very hard to grow peer grade. I think it, it dawned upon us in those years that it was not necessarily a good venture case in itself. It was hard to acquire users fast because of the things I mentioned about like universities are slow mm. and... And, and how to convert and so on. But it was a good business, right? So there was something there. We could make it profitable, but it wasn't like a, a VC case. And then we started figuring out like, what are we then gonna do? And a lot of different things came up, right? Our customers are maybe the wrong market. Maybe we should focus on corporate learning. We noticed that a lot of our users liked the product, but they wanted more features and they were hard to build on top of our existing tech stack. We also just noticed that if a university bought peer grade, then only like, one to 5% of the students there would actually end up using it because it's just one way to teach in some courses once in a while. And we wanted everybody to use our products every day, right? So mm. how could we turn this into a product that everybody would use all the time? All of those things combined ended up pushing us in a direction where we built a new version of peer grade essentially called Eduflow. And it was supposed to be just a more flexible peer grade. But it ended up being like more than just a peer review product, right? It ended up being a full course product. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back in 2019, you changed to Eduflow. This is the new business, the new direction. You're now CEO of Eduflow, 12 people, not grown massively in terms of people. Has it grown a lot in revenue? Are you trying to grow it now? So we've become property, properly profitable at this point, right? So like, we're not going to die. We don't need funding. We have the team that we like to have. I think we could hire more people and do more things, but I don't necessarily think we know exactly what we would want to do more of right now that would be worth it. Software companies are kind of nice, right? In essence, this whole company could be run by our CTO alone. He's the only guy who can both like talk to the accountants and restart the servers. So if we really wanted to be profitable, he could just like do this as a one man show and, and make a lot of money. So the people we have today is all to like grow the company and, and make it into a nice place to work. And 12 people is just really good, right? I really like the people we have. We can all sit around one table and have fun. We know each other very well. So 
it's also turned into a company where we, we want to grow, we want to be big, but not at all costs, right? We're not willing yeah. to strap ourselves hard and, and take a big VC round and then hire 100 people to make this into a $100 million company. Then I would rather make it into a $50 million company or a $10 million company with 12 people. That, that would make me happy enough. Yeah. So how are you growing at the moment? We're doing pretty well. We don't have like exponential growth. We have more like good linear growth. We're doing quite well in terms of uh, marketing as well. We don't really spend money on ads or anything. Most of our marketing is word of mouth or, or kind of other interesting marketing tricks we've we've kind of built over time. It works out quite nicely for us and we try to keep the team very lean. So after 12 people, there's an eight person product team and then we're four people not working on product, right? So I manage all sales myself, basically. We have one customer success person, one marketing person, and one finance person. I think that's a smart solution. I, I like that approach to it. Um, I asked you this before, David, about you as a founder and people listening might be thinking, this guy's not an indie hacker. He's, he's raised money. He's been doing his company for seven years. He's a seasoned founder. Why do you resonate so much with this indie market? Because you messaged me first and that's how we got chatting. It's a good question. I think I, I kind of ask, it's a slippery slope, right? If you listen to startup advice from big companies like Stripe and Airbnb, they're going to talk about like building scalable culture and they're going to talk about OKR management and so on. And if you're a 12-person company, you're much closer to being a one-person company than being a 5,000-person company. You do not need any of those crazy practices that they have in place. A lot of these big companies, are already they already won. And now it's just going to be a survivorship bias of like everything they do, they would have succeeded without a lot of that. So I like to take my advice from people who are much, much earlier in their process, trying to land their first customers or their 10th customer or something. I started following a lot of indie hackers online because the feedback they give, the ideas they come up with are very foundational and example focused. Okay, David, thank you so much for joining me and telling the story. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker. So book rework by the people from Basecamp. I really like that book. I read it and then it was so good that I just read it immediately again in the same sitting. It's very short <laughs> and to the point. A lot of people don't like the Basecamp team and that's fair, but that book has just transformed the way I think about the company podcasts. I really enjoy the Out of Beta podcast with Matt Wensing and Peter Zoom. I don't really follow that many indie hackers, I think, but that guy with Banner Bear, what's his name? John Youngfuck. Yeah, he's good. He's he's definitely successful. And he's also transitioning out of the solopreneur thing. So that's uh, that's interesting to follow as well. David, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. I hope you enjoyed hearing David's story of running a company with a PhD. Now, if you like this episode and would like to have your podcast edited in the same style or know someone who has a podcast that needs some editing help, I run a podcast editing service called Poppanda and I'd love to offer my assistance drop me a dm on twitter or check out pop panda in the show notes that's all from me see you next week